Hello and welcome to the Rise Up with Orion podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is when our podcast goes global. I am so excited to welcome our expert all the way from the UK. Um, this is Dee Murray. She's a retired advanced psychotherapist, human behaviorist, and founder of the world's fastest growing resource in menopausal women. Dee recognized several years ago whilst experiencing her own para perimenopause that this complex subject is not one that is often talked about. So leave it to Orion to bring it to our podcast to bring it up. Um, menopause forms a huge part of women's biology as it often affects more than half of a woman's life. Dee, I'm going to say a couple of your quotes, and I'm sure you're probably going to circle back to these, but the psychology of menopause is fundamentally the bedrock of wellness. Mental health is always at the forefront of everything that we do. Um, Dee has also mentioned that menopause is about hormones, not aging. So I'm so excited to talk to Dee today. This subject comes up a lot with our health coaches. Our health coaches screamed from the rooftops that we need to talk menopause. And it resonates with me. I'm throwing my age out there. I'm nearing this time. So Dee, thank you so much for joining us all the way from the UK to talk about this amazing subject. Um, I think you're currently muted, but welcome to the podcast. I'm not often muted. You speak to my team. Yes. <laughs> I find it difficult to, to keep you quiet. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's lovely to see you, Tara, and thank, thank you so much for inviting me to talk about my favorite subject that I talk about every single day of my life. Yes, thank you so much, Dee. So tell me a little bit more about um, kind of your journey with menopause and how you have started the menopause experts, which is how I circled back to finding you. Well, uh, it, interestingly, I, I mean, I'm still perimenopausal and I'm going to talk to you about what perimenopausal means uh, in the menopause journey. I'm just coming to the end of it. Um, and uh, I've been perimenopausal for 10 years. So for 10 years, I've been studying menopause now. Um, and in the, in, the, in the field of business, I mean, this is becoming a, a, an industry actually within women's health, um, very, very fast moving, certainly for the last five years. And I suppose probably what started it for me was the onset of some symptoms that at the time, I didn't entirely recognize as perimenopause, which a lot of women go through. Um, initially, you can have symptoms like heart palpitations, for example. Heart palpitations, uh, which, which come along hand in hand with anxiety. Anxiety is not something that I ever really suffer from. Uh, obviously, my training has allowed me to manage my own anxiety. And yet when I was about 43, I suddenly started getting heart palpitations and they were going on for a considerable length of time. Um, and I do remember actually, this went on for two or three weeks and I was getting quite, I was carrying a little bit of excess weight at the time, I remember feeling quite heavy and uh, all my thoughts, thinking about my heart, my heart health. Um, and I was very concerned that something was going on with my heart. And uh, I went to see my, uh, my doctor, um, well, I went to see several doctors, actually. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this. Uh, certainly in the UK, there is a lack of knowledge amongst our 
GPs, our, our doctors. Now, I don't blame them. Um, it's not their fault. It's just that uh, menopause as a subject was not really part of their training. Uh, when our GPs were training in the UK, menopause as a subject was an opt-in or opt-out mm. subject. And I know that I think this probably happens in, in the US as well. Um, and so generally our doctors that we're seeing may have trained 10, 20, sometimes 30 years ago. And menopause was definitely not on the agenda, really wasn't spoken about. Um, and there was a lack of interest in it. So when I went to see my GP, as I say, one of a few, actually, when I was having my heart palpitations, hormones were never mentioned. Mm. Menopause never mentioned because I was 43. But I had an inkling that it was something to do with hormones because I couldn't work out why I was feeling so anxious and why I was getting these heart palpitations. So I insisted on having a, an ECG so that I could check for myself that my heart was okay and it was um, and uh, I asked to see one of the doctors who specialized in heart health um, had no bedside manner I, I do remember that oh, no. and he said oh your heart is your heart is absolutely fine uh, there's nothing wrong with you and I said but there is something I don't feel right there is something wrong and he said well you're having an anxiety attack so I said, what do you mean? I mean, uh, it was so strange for me uh, having, you know, been in private practice for, for nearly two decades to, to hear somebody tell me I was having an anxiety attack. And I didn't believe it. Um, but I remember leaving the surgery and then going and sitting in my car and thinking about what he'd said and thinking about my symptoms. And it suddenly dawned on me that that's exactly what it was. It was anxiety that I was feeling, but I still didn't know at that time that it was my hormones. And so I had to piece it all together. Um, even though I had treated women for many, many years going through menopause, but not nobody really understands what perimenopause is. And that's one of the things, the areas that I really love talking about because that comes way before mm -hmm. our periods stop. And it's the most symptomatic phase. It is the most symptomatic phase. So I think there is this misunderstanding by those who, who, who don't know yet um, that menopause happens actually whilst we're still having our, our periods, our, our menstrual cycle. So that can continue for 10 years or more. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that's lasted 10 years and I say, I'm just coming to the end of it now. Um, and it can't come soon enough. But there are all sorts of symptoms that, uh, that, that happen during that time and your hormones are fluctuating all over the place. So I could see that there was this huge void in, in proper information all in one place, uh, you know, that, that, that was evidence-based. Um, but also, you know, I come from the world of the mind and not everything is evidence based. Uh, you know, I, I very much work on the principle. If it makes you feel good, keep doing it. If it mm -hmm. makes you feel terrible, don't do it. Um, and so we developed a program and uh, a licensing program uh, for for women and men. Uh, men have joined us in the last 12 months, which is just brilliant. They're wanting to support women in their lives or in their practice. Um, you know, we've got personal trainers and life coaches. And so once they've got the knowledge 
it means that they can help themselves and then help other people. And that's pretty much what menopause experts group, affectionately known as MEG, it's what we do day in, day out. And uh, we're, we're very grateful to have representatives, representatives now in more than 22 countries around the world. And in some countries that you wouldn't think we're even talking about menopause. So that's really wonderful. So that's really how that journey started with the business. But it's more than a business. It is a social enterprise. Um, you know, we teach people to help themselves and then help others. That's our culture. And uh, some of the things that people still don't know, even though in the UK, menopause is headline news. We see it on TV now. Celebrities are coming forward and talking about it and opening up about the subject. There are still so many myths and taboos surrounding this mm -hmm. subject. It's it's crazy. You know, we've got a long way to go. Yeah. Yes. But I always say if menopause was a menopause was 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 a human being in time, it's only just getting up from a crawling state. It's nowhere near walking yet. So so we've still got a long, long way to go. And there's there's a huge amount of research, thankfully, that's taking place now. Um, a lot of it in your country, mm -hmm. uh, actually, not just the UK. And things are really, really changing. It's a wonderful time to be a woman, I think. Yes, and I love that we're talking about this as well. Um, like in the UK, I remember very vividly um, during the Super Bowl, American football, um, there was a menopause commercial at the very beginning of the Super Bowl. And I, my eyes just got really big because I was like, finally, you know, within an event like this where there's millions of people that are tuning in, you know, the topic came up. So I was like, this is so fantastic that finally we're starting to talk about it. And I know women talk about, you know, silently suffering. So within the workplace where our corporate wellness company comes into effect, we're starting to talk about it. Um, and that's, that's fantastic. So I love the movement that menopause experts is forming. Um, and Dee, I want to jump in a little bit further into perimenopause, um, because I think a lot of people think, okay, menopause it's hot flashes it's night sweats it's going to be really obvious and it's just gonna happen so back us up on that because that's not just all it is and it's not just going to happen one night no no it's it's something that it's, uh that creeps up on you actually and it, and it and it, as i as you mentioned you know i talk about it not being age related in the big scheme of things, it's actually not age related. It is completely dominated by our hormones. And we speak to women that are in their 20s and 30s that are going through menopause. Um, women that have perhaps gone through breast cancer treatment, so they may have had some, some other um, diseases that they've had treatments for that might have then uh, you know, thrown them into menopause. They may have had a full hysterectomy if they've had their ovaries removed, if they've had their ovaries on their womb removed, straight into menopause um, and so that they're going to experience um, uh, symptoms and most women experience some symptoms but not all women experience debilitating symptoms but about one in 20 will it's you know there's there's quite a few women that will experience horrible horrible embarrassing um, frustrating painful symptoms and so some of the symptoms that are easily identifiable. I'll, I'll run through a few of those that we all kind of think are associated with menopause. And then perhaps I'll, I'll throw a few of the ones that you may not know exist. Um, 
because if you Google the symptoms of menopause, you'll probably come up with about 34 in a list. And I can tell you there are a lot more. So mm. 34 is just sort of textbook. And, you know, we are not textbooks. We are human beings. And so there are a lot associated. So with perimenopause, generally speaking, brain fog, you know, that fogginess, forgetfulness, wondering why you've walked into a room, losing your car keys. I mean, I can't I can't remember how many times they are forgetfulness. Can't remember how many times I lost my car keys um, <laughs> and sometimes even my car. Uh, yes. So, you know, those sorts of things which were really alien to me, brain fog not knowing why I walked into a room, forgetting people's names, all of those sorts of things. Um, and that can be quite intense and severe for some women, so much so that a misdiagnosis of early onset dementia could mm. be talked about, okay? So, and that, this is why awareness is so key because there are ways to manage your own brain fog um, and the hormones are changing in your brain, okay? so. Our hormones are chemical messengers from our brain. And so it's going to be out of balance because it's going from, your body is going from a, a, a state of reproduction into post-reproduction. So we're actually moving into a, diff, a different physical state. So it's going to throw you a little bit out of context. But not only that, I think in Western society, because our lifestyle is culturally very different. Um, you know, we uh, are often in very high stressed situations, uh, particularly at work. Um, women going through menopause, you know, if you, if you are of a certain age, 40s and 50s, it may well be that you've still got children at home. Uh, you're part of this sandwich generation, as we call it. So you have children at home and you're looking after elderly relatives. I mean, I kind of fit into that. My, my, my youngest is 20. But my eldest is 92 and she yeah. lives with me. OK, so that's my mother. It's a with lot Alzheimer's. Of work. And, and I'm not, yeah, and I'm not rare. I mean, there, there are lots of us um, being carers, you know, running full time jobs, looking after our homes and, and, and all of that. So our life is really very full and very stressful. So you add that to the shift in hormones Plus our diets, um, and it's something that we can talk about as well, because diet is so crucially important when your hormones are changing. It, it all kind of adds and fuels these negative symptoms, the brain fog, the forgetfulness, the hot flashes, hot flushes, we call them in the UK. Oh. You call them hot flashes. Um, uh, night sweats. I mean, they, they say night sweats, but sweats can happen during the day. It's not, not just at night. Your vision can change quite dramatically. I mean, mine did inside of two years. Um, I actually went from long-sighted to short-sighted um, uh, and needed a change in my prescription twice. So there are areas that estrogen, and estrogen is the dominant hormone here that, uh, that, that, that is depleting. Um, would you believe, and I might jump around a little bit here, but I, I'm just trying to sort of fit in all the things that, that might be exciting for, for people to know about. There is still a belief that, that women actually produce eggs. We don't, we're not chickens. We have all the eggs that we're ever gonna have when we're born. Uh, and so as a, as a female baby, um, we have inside us about two or three million, I don't think anybody stopped to count them, but two to three million egg cells. 
and they are with us when we're born. So however many eggs we've got, we have them when we're born and they start to deplete as we age. And as we move into puberty and we start our menstrual, menstrual cycle, our eggs start to deplete. And actually, by the time we get to adulthood and we start thinking about having children, we've probably only got about three or four percent of those millions of egg cells left. Three or four percent, which wow. is why babies are little miracles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that gives you an idea, doesn't it, of, of you know, then going through the next 10, 20 years um, of, our, of our egg cells depleting and our menstrual cycle, which back to back is about seven years for most of us. We actually bleed and have a, a period for about seven years of our lives in total. Um, then you can see that, you know, our body is changing. Why? Because we're not really supposed to keep reproducing into our older years and you, you don't need to go back in time too far just a couple of hundred years ago we were only living until our mid-50s and so that gives you a more of a nature's view on why menopause happens it's actually to protect us and to protect babies because mother nature thinks you're not going to be wanting babies in your 50s you're probably not going to live long enough to nurture that child and, and you know take it into maturity so so nature is very clever our bodies are very very clever but we've evolved over the last couple of hundred years we are evolving we're living much longer one in seven of us going to live until we're 100 years old and so it's even more important now that we look at what happens during menopause leading up to menopause and after you know what happens once our periods stop and we move into what's known as post-menopause, you into a false sense of security, that word post, that's <laughs> almost telling you it's over. It's right. not. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so true. Yes. Yeah. I think um, one of the, you know, one of the things that's coming to mind for me is, you know, there's so many, you know, different symptoms that are out there and, you know, not everyone is going to see it the same way. Um, so I love what you started out um, talking about today is, you know, to ask those questions and to have those conversations, which is why we're, you know, starting where we are today. But again, you were, you were questioning your doctors. And I think this is so amazing is to, you know, question and to ask the questions and have an open dialogue so we all can survive this with grace. I think we all know our bodies more, better than anybody else. So yeah. you know when you, you're, you're out of kilter, you can feel when there's, there's a change coming. And I think if you're prepared for perimenopause and you're prepared for those symptoms, the anxiety will be much less because you're not going to be wondering whether you're dying or you've got something mm -hmm. incurable or horrible that's going on you're much more likely to take it in your stride and think right okay maybe my times maybe my periods are now starting to become irregular because that's one of the first symptoms as well um, periods can become irregular they can become heavier they can become lighter they don't always come on time um, and there can be long gaps in between and then you start having a bleed again um, so there's a lot that happens within your, your cycle that changes, uh, not just your temperature, um, uh, which is regulated by the brain. So the brain is starting to balance out those hormones. 
And so, you know, your temperature regulator, which is in the brain, is impacted upon. And that's why we experience hot flashes. Um, but they get exacerbated if you're feeling anxiety as well. And of course, for some women, if you're having a hot flash at work and you think everybody else can see you because as you're boiling, you know, as you're boiling up, you, you tend to feel very self-conscious and you think that everybody else can see you getting hotter and hotter or sweatier and sweatier. And that produces even more anxiety. And then you get hotter, you know. It's, yes. it's, you know, self-perpetuating. Um, so managing anxiety during perimenopause and menopause is, is key. Absolutely. Managing your mindset towards it, uh, not seeing it as something to dread. It's just another stage that your incredible body is going through, just like it did at puberty. I mean, this is almost puberty in reverse. Um, but, you know, you manage to survive puberty. Mine was mine was hellish. I wouldn't want to go back there. Menopause is much better than, than <laughs> puberty, I've got to tell you. Um, uh, and, uh, and I think if you can go into this transition with the right mindset and the right information, because that, that's key. Education is everything. Knowledge is, is the power here. Um, then you can have a really, really good menopause and it can be very, very empowering. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, Tara, but I think you get to a point in your life where you stop worrying so much about things that perhaps kept you awake at night, you know, when you were younger. You don't worry about those things as you get older. Um, you stop sweating the small stuff. Um, you know, you know who you are. And if you don't know who you are, this is a really, really good time to, to look at yourself and start to do the things that you want to do in your life. Because we're as women, we're predisposed to looking after everybody else. Um, and there comes a point in your life when actually we need to start putting ourselves first. And this is the time in our life when we really should be putting ourselves first. And that's very exciting and can be very liberating. Yeah. Dee, I love that you're, you're going the mental health route and I, mental emotional health, really. I think that's an amazing place to start. Cause I think a lot of the times when we're talking about, you know, menopause, we're trying to figure out how to stop it. We're trying to figure out how to stop the night sweats, the hot flashes. Um, so, so kind of, you know, what's within our control and you can't control that. Um, so I think that's an amazing place to start. So Dee, I would love to more to know more of your, you know, symptom management, how best to deal with, you know, these things that are coming our way. Well, the first thing is, as I say, it's, my, it's about mindset um, and, and having that knowledge. If you've got that, then when you're going through symptoms and symptoms will come and go, they'll be quite erratic. Um, uh, because as I say, your, your body is trying to do what it naturally wants to do, but we do block it. We block it with a poor diet, too much stress, maybe carrying too much weight, um, you know, consuming too much sugar, alcohol, caffeine, those three, they're, 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 they're quite evil, those three. Mm -hmm. When you're going through menopause, sugar, caffeine, alcohol, and of course, there's a lot of sugar in alcohol uh, which people forget about and uh, alcohol and uh, the menopause transition they don't really mix 
Uh, caffeine is the same. Caffeine, if you're a coffee lover, which I am, I love coffee, but I haven't had uh, caffeine in my diet for decades. And, um, and what I have recognized is that women going through hot flushes, or hot flashes as you call them, um, and uh, this, this overwhelming sensation of heat is quite often followed after they've had some caffeine. And caffeine is hidden in a lot of drinks. Yes. Um, you know, diet sodas, diet sodas, things like that. We've got to start reading the labels. We really have got to start reading the labels. There, there are a lot of intolerances actually that start appearing when you're going through this transition too. It may well be that you suddenly start noticing that you're bloating. Uh, bloating is really, really common. And um, sometimes that is because our body is suddenly starting to react to wheat. And I know a lot of women that are reacting badly to wheat that haven't before. And it's not necessarily the gluten. A lot of people mm -hmm. then go on to gluten-free diets. It's not necessarily the gluten. It's the hybridized wheat. It's not a natural wheat that we eat, that we've been eating for decades. It's not natural. It's been messed about with. So wherever you can, start to look at the food that you're actually consuming and go back to nature, mother nature, really. Um, you know, look for old-fashioned old grains like einkorn. That's a, that's a wheat, but it's non-hybridized. Uh, and actually, it won't give you that bloaty sensation mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're making bread with that won't get so yeah. bloated it's just recognizing these things you know how much sugar is in your diet how much salt is in your diet and we've been we've had all these mixed messages all our lives about sugar and salt um and uh, you know too much salt and not enough salt and uh, too much sugar of course we know white sugar is really really terrible for us um but you know we still can't get enough of it but we do need to be really careful about the hidden sugars um, even in, do you know, there are hidden sugars actually in frozen vegetables. Would you mm. believe it? Read the labels. You know, people just don't realize where this sugar is hidden. So you, you, you may not take sugar in your coffee, but it might be actually in your vegetables. I mean, it's just crazy. So eat fresh, eat organic if you can. I always say spend a bit more on good quality produce and eat less. That, that's a good rule of thumb. You know, we, we, in, in the West, we, we eat far too much. We eat more than we need. Um, and so, you know, don't consume so much. Think of things as a, as a luxury. Buy things that are better quality, that are local, that are organic. You know where, they're, you know where they've been sourced. Um, and try and integrate some vegetables some color eat the rainbow mm -hmm. as we say you know yeah colorful vegetables on your plate fill your plate with color and yes not, not just meat I and mean, it's particularly great for us uh, chicken and fish okay you can do that but but try and steer clear of the other of the other meats because because of farming you know mass farming we all know that um uh, animals that we consume they enter the food chain with other hormones so they've been injected with growth hormones and all sorts of things. So when we're going through hormonal change, the last thing we want to do is start consuming anything with strange, strange things in it, because that's going to send us um, a little bit off balance. 
So, so food is a really big, big thing. But for me, focus on your psychology first, because then you'll start to feel better. Then you can start introducing little changes to your diet. And sometimes the smallest changes have the biggest impact. Um, there are uh, plant estrogens because it because it is estrogen that we're trying to um, we're trying to get to grips with the the lack of estrogen that we have. And estrogen is a very very powerful hormone to us. It's responsible for a lot of our bodily functions. It, I mean, it's responsible for our skin, our hair, our eyes. I mean, our bones, bone health, heart health, our major organs. We have estrogen receptors all over our body, everywhere on our body. And these estrogen receptors, you know, they, our bodies thrive with estrogen. And so when the estrogen is depleting, it's now having to adjust to not having so much estrogen. There's a little bit that's produced from our kidneys, our adrenal glands, but, uh, but, but not enough. And so some women may choose to um, have hormone therapy, I know that you're familiar with that term in the States and mm -hmm. uh, HRT, as we call it in the UK, um, is is big news all the time. It's big headline news. Should we? Shouldn't we? You know, celebrities are coming forward and saying HRT is this miracle. You know, I could barely get out of bed and now I'm bouncing. And no. <laughs> that's not the case for everybody. Not the case for everybody. Um, it, uh, it, it is actually a personal choice. And I think that. Um, every woman should never be shamed into taking it, nor shamed for not taking it. We're all individual. If you've got the relevant know-how, the relevant information, then you can make that choice and the decision, you know, how to treat your symptoms, of which, as I say, some, some women have symptoms that are really quite unbearable. Um, but for the rest of us who don't, we can manage ours pretty well with diet lifestyle exercise well-being mindset reducing mm. your stress um and uh, you know things can change and uh, and you can manage it really well i know yes. i'm rambling on you know no i, I love i mean I, you you <laughs> you asked you answered a whole bunch of the questions that you know obviously i have written down as our conversation prompt today so i'm so excited about that that it's an individual um choice in terms of you know hrt or hormone replacement therapy so again goes back to what you said at the very beginning to open up this conversation for yourself with your doctors i think this is so so great to always keep that in mind and a couple other questions are coming through um, in terms of kind of treating hot flashes, if there's different triggers for them. Um, and, you know, what are the options for treating them if you are prone to blood clots and you can't take hormones? Um, if you feel them coming on, what can we do? Well, firstly, uh, I mean, the, the, the research is showing now that um, although there is still a risk associated with HRT, you can't say that there isn't. It, it is a, it is uh, synthetic, you know, it is produced. So anything that's chemically produced is, is going to have a, an impact on us. Um, even that that is body identical, um, uh, you know, which, which basically enters the body the same as our own hormone it's still going in via an artificial process. So there's still going to be a relative risk there. 
but the risks have certainly declined. You know, in the old days of HRT, um, they did find a link between HRT and breast cancer. Um, they still talk about uh, the, the link, but it is much less. I think the focus has to be on our health, our overall health, because if you drink too much, if you're overweight, um, you know, there are many other, if you smoke, there are many other factors that could actually bring on cancers. Okay. So I think that looking at ourselves in a very holistic way, rather than looking at ourselves in this very medicinal way, which is very one dimensional. Uh, I always think that, you know, this isn't a magic bullet at all. It can help a lot of women, but not every woman wants to take it. Not every woman can take it. The transdermal approach, which goes via the skin, has much less risk associated with it. So that might be patches. Um, it might be uh, a pump gel. Um, you could use vaginal pessaries, for example, or uh, vaginal creams, uh, estrogen creams. Uh, those sorts of things really work and they have a, a minimal risk. And actually in the UK, doctors are talking to women who are, um, you know, post breast cancer. So they've come out the other end of it and they are still having these conversations about um, hormone therapy, even for those who have had cancer. So they are recognizing that some of them are much, 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 much safer. And it's down to risk versus benefit. That's what we must look at all the time is risk versus benefit. So for me, I'm not pro HRT, as I call it, H H T you call it, I think. I'm not anti. What I am pro is knowledge and information. And then we can make the decisions for ourselves. And understanding our own biology is incredibly important. Uh, we study ourselves when we're having children. We kind of read everything about the pregnancy and we you know, we look at pictures about the, the development of the fetus and all of those things. We need to start doing that about menopause because it's much longer than puberty. It's much longer than pregnancy. It is more than half of our lives quite often. Um, and especially when you think that a lot of us are going to reach our 100th birthday, we do need to be considering our heart health, our bone health, bone health. Bones really, really rely on estrogen. So we need to make sure that we're doing things like uh, not necessarily going to the gym because not, that's not for everybody. But there are mm -hmm. things that you can do, you know, weight bearing exercises, um, take up yoga. If somebody if I could go back 20 years, I would have been doing yoga for 20 years. I would have definitely started yoga in my 30s, probably 30. I would have started taking it much more seriously. So we're trying to educate women that are uh, much younger as well because prevention is is better um, than, than trying to fix it when you're in it um, so it's a keeping our bodies supple and uh, and looking at our wellness is is really really crucial it really is and that manages your symptoms that there, there are a lot of symptoms that we have that can be easily managed if we catch them in time i mean i've got terrible knees my, my knees are probably going to need to be replaced. Um, I'm managing them at the moment. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm dropping a bit of weight because your knees and your hips, you know, that they tend to be affected uh, because they are where, where uh, estrogen used to love, uh, particularly your hips. So if you're getting painful joints, it's very hormonal. 
but it could also be a signal that you could be moving into osteo uh, osteo issues mm -hmm. you know osteoarthritis uh, osteoporosis um, so taking care of our joints is really really crucial and we lose a lot of our strength um, you know I'm not, I'm not sure whether you've noticed I certainly noticed a lot of my upper body strength my hand strength you know I suddenly couldn't open jars anymore I had to get my son to open jars um, you know things like that and, and I used to be so strong and then a lot of my strength just started to, to dissipate and, and that is because of the drop in estrogen so we need to sort of build that back up but you don't have to go and pump iron, you know, you don't have to do those things. You just have to find what works for you. Otherwise, if something becomes too much like hard work, we'll talk ourselves out of it and then we'll never make that change. So we, we've got to get the mindset right and then all of the things will follow. And just finding the things that work for you is what matters because we're all different. Yes, indeed, just to reiterate as well, as I love to circle back to, you know, eating healthy and eating from the ground up, we often talk about it when filling our plates with colors, because you're getting the vitamins and the supplements and the different things through our food versus an external, you know, source. We talked about this last month when we were talking about diabetes prevention. It isn't that much different um, when it comes to the nutrition and making sure that we're using, you know, this anaerobic activity to keep our, our bodies moving. We often talked about functional mobility as well as opening those cans and reaching above our head and pushing ourselves up from a chair. Little things that we do hundreds of times over the course of the day, but we don't think about it as training and practice. And it is so much of a holistic practice to do all of these things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And there's a lot of research. I, I just want to throw this in because. This is food for thought. I mean, I, I, I love the brain. Okay, the brain is my thing. Uh, but there's a lot of research now coming out about vitamin D. Now, we've always known that vitamin D is something that we're pretty much deficient in. I mean, certainly in the UK, we are, you know, between the months of October through till March, um, we barely see the sun. Uh, and so, you know, lots of us will take vitamin uh, D uh, supplementation, uh, but many, many people don't. And um, there are the showing links now between vitamin D as a, as a deficiency and dementia. So the more vitamin D we get, the more preventative we're being, you know, further down the line. It's so, so important to us. I don't think we realize how important it is uh, because I think our generation as well, we've been told to stay out of the sun a lot. So, you know, there's a mixed message there. We've got to stay out of the sun because, because of, of, sun can, uh, of skin cancer. Um, but also that can mean that you stay out of the sun permanently and then you're not absorbing any vitamin D. So, so just being out there for 15 or 20 minutes, um, you know, safely will give you that vitamin D that you need. And certainly if, you, if you're not living in a sunny climate, then you need to be looking at vitamin D as a, as a supplement because it's quite it's quite difficult to to get through food um so you know you really do need to be supplementing that vitamin d and it's very interesting the reports if anybody wants to google it there are there are quite a few reports coming out now about the importance of it and also b12 magnesium zinc these things are so important to us and we do become very deficient 
magnesium. Magnesium can affect our mood. Okay, so mood swings. Talk about mood swings. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can be really happy one minute and then wanting to murder your family the next. And that is, you know, it can be really quite severe, this, this mood swing. And a lot of that is to do with the fluctuation in hormone that's going on in your body. But again, recognizing it, recognizing the triggers, because some of that can be triggered by food as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it really can. It can be triggered by alcohol. Um, it can be triggered by caffeine, by sugar. Uh, so just recognizing what goes into our mouths is crucial, absolutely crucial. Let's say read the labels of everything. Just get, get into a habit of doing that um, and going out for a walk for 15, 20 minutes in, in a bit of sunshine, a bit of daylight. Uh, then you know you're going to absorb your vitamin D. Um, somebody was asking about symptom management. You could probably get these in the US, I'm sure you can, uh, but we tend to buy some big bags of mineral salts and throw those in your bath. Uh, if you have a salt bath, with, with, you know, it's heavy on magnesium, it can be absorbed then through the skin and that will really lift your mood. I do this very regularly and I love a nighttime bath. It really helps me with my sleep and to relax. It's just part of my ritual and, uh, and you know, once a week, I'll, I'll just throw some mineral salts in there. And it's really, really good for us. So there are, there are lots of tips and tricks and techniques that you can use. It's not all doom and gloom. It really isn't. And being around upbeat people, that helps yeah. too. Not the most. <laughs> yes. And you are one of them, Dee. I am so thrilled with everything that you gave us. I'm a sleep nerd myself as a certified sleep science coach. So you are speaking my language with the warm bath, the mineral salts, um, and attempting to get a good night's rest. I'm sure it all leads into this as well. Um, you are speaking my language um, with that. It's so important. Yeah. Sleep disruption. Of course, that's another big symptom. Sleep disruption, uh, get, get those blue lights out of your bedroom. Um, uh, you know, just look at your environment. Uh, really look at your environment. How do you sleep? Are you sleeping with somebody who snores? You know, and if you are, then either consider having a, a using the spare room. If the, if the kids have all left home now, you know, convert that spare, spare room into something very luxurious for you to sleep in. Um, associate your bedroom with sleep and sex not the ironing okay not the laundry get that out of your bedroom get get the work things out of your bedroom it's for relaxing or 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 sexual pleasure you know just look at it as those two things i know sexual pleasure we haven't talked about this because that comes up in conversation a lot we talk about uh we talk about um uh, bedroom activity and uh intimacy sex sex love and intimacy that's one of my subjects that I really do maybe I can come back and talk about that because uh, I do yes. love talking about that it's really super important. Yeah, super yes. important I've got lots of tips tricks and techniques for that too <laughs> well that's where the excitement comes in <laughs> um Dee so can you mention one more time I obviously introduced you with a little bit of this information but if people want to contact you or they want to reach out for more information where can they get hold of you and menopause menopause experts well, just go to menopauseexperts.com. That's where you'll find us. Um, there is a section on the website called Ask Meg. Uh, and the company is called Menopause Experts Group. So we call her Meg. 
so there is an Ask Meg section, uh, which is all free information, lots of great articles. And also we have a, a monthly magazine called Menopause Life, which is just brilliant. Um, it's, it's run by uh, a, a colleague of mine who's actually, I mean, she's menopausal, as most of my colleagues are, even the men. Um, uh, and she runs the magazine. She's the editor of the magazine. We're looking to uh, host this magazine in the US soon, probably this year. So that'll be great. Um, and it really is about lifestyle. It just embraces everything that, that you know, the challenges, the highs, the lows, um, uh, provides so much information and real stories, real life stories from people who are living the experience. And uh, it's, it's really very uplifting. So they can go on to the website and um, you just have a look in the shop and you can download. It's a digital magazine. And that's uh, that's a bit of a tonic. It really is. Uh, Jane, who's the editor, she's a transplant survivor. So she had um, she had a very rare condition um, and had a bone marrow transplant. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, she had the threat of loss of life. Uh, this was more than 10 years ago now. Uh, boy, she lives her life now. She really, really does. And even though she's going through menopause and was put into it really quite early at 42, she just gets on with it. So, you know, she's she's testament to it doesn't really matter what's thrown at us. There is a way through everything. You just need to believe it. You just need to believe it. And then life can be fantastic. Yes, Dee, the conversation is just getting started. I think I'm glad that we're talking about it here on the Orion podcast. I'm so excited to have your knowledge. And I'm challenging everyone to keep the conversation going. I think the community that menopause experts and Meg is forming, but we also can form this conversation and this community um, among the Orion population as well. And with our you know, girlfriends and families and husbands, keep the conversation going um, and bring that conversation to your doctor as well as something that I've, I've learned from Dee this morning is, as well um, this evening to, to Dee. So Dee, thank you so much to you for all of your knowledge, joining us all the way from the UK. Um, I hope you enjoy your, your, you know, mineral bath salt tonight. And I hope to talk I to you very soon. <laughs> That's lovely to see you, Tara. Yes, I'll speak, speak to you again very soon, I hope, on another topic. I mean, this is so broad, it's so wide. We don't have time in one webinar. It is true. 45 minutes is very short. So just touching the surface, there's a lot more out there. And again, thank you so much, Dee, for joining us. And I welcome everyone to join us next month for our podcast when we're actually going to be talking to a professional holistic chef who is an expert in cooking and eating for food allergies, which I think so many of us are also suffering with that. So join us next month. And Dee, thanks again. You're welcome. <laughs> Bye.